within the context, give you a little context here, then we'll read our text this morning. Within the context of our Scripture, Paul has been instructing Titus concerning the false teachers that had crept into the church there at Crete. Say that ten times fast. Crept into Crete. Amen. And uh, they were trying to disrupt the teachings of the doctrines that Paul had been preaching. In fact, verse 14 talks about that Paul warned Timothy not to give heed to Jewish fables. A fable is the opposite of the truth. He said, don't be led to believing things that are false. And so, in verse number 15, he begins to write and he says, Unto the pure, all things are pure. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. Now watch what Paul says about these people in verse 16. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient, and the every good work reprobate. Here's what Paul is saying about these people. He said, he said uh, Titus, forgive me, I keep wanting to call Titus Timothy, alright? But he's saying, Titus, he said, down there at that church where I've left you to minister, there are some false people there. There are false teachers there. They are people that have snuck in trying to spy out the liberty and what that we have in Christ. It is most likely the Judaizers that are adding works to grace. They're saying, yes, you need Jesus. Those people follow Paul everywhere he went. Yes, you need Jesus, but you've also got to keep Moses' law. We'll say more about that in a moment. And he said, Paul said, Titus, I'm going to tell you about that crowd. They profess that they know God. But in works, they deny Him. Paul's saying their talk don't match their walk. What they say does not match up with how they're living. They profess one thing, but they produce another thing. And I want to preach on this thought this morning out of these verses, God being my helper and with your listenership, on does your talk match your walk? Does your talk match your walk? You know me, the kind of preacher that I am. I am a Bible preacher. I do not seek to confuse people about their salvation. I despise that kind of ministry. Somebody help me. The Word of God is full of verses letting us know that we can know that we have passed from death unto life. So this message is not to cause confusion or doubt in anybody's life. I despise that. Amen. But the Word of God does teach us to examine ourselves. Back, the Bible said in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 5, Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. I was reading that again this morning. And that little phrase, he said, Prove your own selves. You're not, you don't have to convince me this morning. You don't have to prove to me and say, well, Brother Josh thinks I'm saved, so I'm not. that's not what we're talking about. Paul said, prove it to yourself. Do you have that assurance? Do you have that confidence that when you lay down at night, you know that if you die or Jesus comes, that you know that you know Jesus. Paul said, you don't have to prove it to me. 
You don't have to impress me. You don't have to convince me. And I believe there ought to be works that we can see of productivity of faith. We'll get that in a moment. But at the end of the day, you, if that, nobody else thinks you're saved, as long as you can line your salvation up to this book and you know that you have trusted in Christ, that you've been to Calvary, that your sins have been washed away, that's what matters this morning. Paul warns us in the last days. In fact, he told Timothy, the other young preacher he wrote too, in 2 Timothy 3, 5, that these people, they have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. From such, turn away. Does your talk match your walk? Somebody said, how, is it, how important is it whether or not I am saved? Well, the answer is it is a matter of life and death. Truly, it is a matter of life and death. They profess that they know God, but in works deny Him. In these two verses this morning, I would like to say three things and emphasize three truths very quickly and ask the Lord to add the increase. First of all, in verse number 15, there is a word about the pure. A word about the pure. This is the most positive point of this sermon right here. Under the pure, all things are pure. The word pure here means to be cleansed or to be clean. It means to be chaste, free from impurity, spotless or without blemish. That is not teaching a, 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 a lifestyle that lives above sin. One man said the only way you could live above sin was to have an apartment over a bar. It's not what he's talking about here. But he is talking about the fire. He's talking about saved people. Those that are pure. Well, I thought about that word pure there, and it gives the idea of cleansing. I thought about, first of all, the reason for cleansing. Why would somebody have to be cleansed? Why would somebody have to be clean? Well, we are reminded what sin does. In fact, in our text, it uses this word defiled and, and destitute. This certainly describes a sinner who is lost without God. I will remind us all this morning that sin leaves a stain, and sin leaves a stench, and sin leads to separation. Isaiah 59 said your sins, your transgressions have separated you and your God. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, they lost that fellowship that they had with God. They lost what they, they lost that innocency uh, that they had when they disobeyed one command. God said thou shalt not. And they did the one thing uh, that God told them not to do. And because of that sin, the Bible said in Romans 5, 12, wherefore by one man sin entered the world and death by sin and so death is passed upon all men for all have sinned because Adam sinned all of us are born sinners this morning the reason for cleansing but then the resource for cleansing how do you get clean? two ways according to the word of God you get cleansed by the blood 1 Peter chapter 1 we were not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers but with the precious blood of Christ as for a lamb without blemish and without spot amen what can wash away my sin nothing but the blood of Jesus somebody said y'all preach one of them bloody gospels you better believe it amen oh, we preach that Jesus 
shed his blood and he offered it once for the sacrifices for sins forever and after he made that sacrifice uh, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God and he ever lived to make intercession for us over in Revelation chapter number 1 he said unto us unto him that loved us and washed us from our sin I love that little phrase he washed us from our sins that means he took all that sin that was on me and he washed it and he removed it from me I didn't have anything to offer God but tell you what God did in the doctrine of imputation he took my sins off of me and he put it on his account and he took his righteousness that was upon him and he put that on my account for he that's God the Father made him that's God the Son to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him Jesus never done anything wrong but Jesus never sinned he never had a bad thought and how many of us this morning oh, we've had bad thoughts this morning I've had some bad thoughts about the medical system somebody help me amen oh, but we've all sinned we've come short of God's glory but aren't you glad oh, that Jesus gave us his righteousness not based on merit oh, but based on mercy I can't, I can't stay here, but let me run by this quickly. There's a story told that, and I don't know if it's true or not, so this is probably, but it's a good illustration of the imputation of Christ and that work how he put righteousness on my account. They said there was this shepherd uh, that had, that had a, a, a mother sheep uh, that was delivering a little lamb and that, that mother died while giving birth. Well, he had this other uh, sheep that had given birth and her baby had died. And so here he has a, a little infant lamb uh, that needs milk and here he has this mama lamb who has milk but has no baby and so he decided to put them together so when he took that little lamb to that mother uh, to try to allow her to nurse him she denied him and she pushed him away she smelled him she knew that was not hers and so that shepherd saying what am I going to do this one's going to grieve itself to death and this one's going to starve itself to death and so what he did he went and he got that little dead lamb and he skinned it and he took that skin off that dead lamb and he put it around that baby lamb and he snugged her up close to that mama lamb and that lamb got to sniff that mama got to sniff him that little lamb and smelled it and she brought it in unto her and fed it you know why uh, he couldn't get there on his own he did not meet the requirement that was not he oh but when he came clothed in the garments of another I know boy I gotta hurry I know I know that Jacob was a trickster and a conniver and a liar and I know what he uh, and his mama did was wrong but you know how Jacob uh, got his brother's blessings he went with the works of a hand of another he didn't prepare that sacrifice somebody else prepared it and he went in the name of another and he went on the basis of another. And because he went in another's name, he got what he needed. I want to remind us all this morning that anything we have by the grace of God, we did not get in our own merits. We did not get in our own abilities. Oh, but we got it based on the merit and the love of Jesus Christ. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, or adulterers, nor, or, or, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, 
adulterers, nor feminine, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, or extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And you know, Paul knew there would be some people in that church that'd stick their chest out and say, yeah, that's right. That's right. None of them people are going to inherit the kingdom of God. And Paul said, by the way, and such were some of you. But ye are washed. Amen. You are not what you used to be, but ye are justified. But ye in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm glad I got saved. Amen. And washed in the blood of the Lamb of God. I got cleansed by the blood. But John 15 says I got cleansed by the book. Jesus said, Now ye are clean through the Word which I spoke unto you. Amen. I guess, I don't in my mind, I guess he took the blood and he took the book and just scrubbed it in. Amen. Just scrubbed it all in. Amen. Aren't you glad your sins are gone this morning? So there's the reason for cleansing, the resource for cleansing, but what's the results of cleansing? In our, in our text, under the pure, don't it feel good to be pure this morning? Oh, we still have this flesh. We still have this nature. But ain't it good to know that sin dead has been lifted and the guilt is gone. But under the pure, all things are pure. Now, does that verse mean that since you're saved, you can live like you want to? Absolutely not. Over and over again, he'll say, he'll say, keep thyself pure. First John 3 says, And every man that hath this hope, speaking of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, purifieth himself, even as he is pure. So what's he talking about here? Well, it goes back to verse 14, talking about Jewish fables. Those Judaizers were saying, yeah, you need Jesus. Yeah, you need, you need all that. But you've got to keep the Mosaic law. That's all, folks. Y'all, that's three, William. That's three, okay? We're going to kick you out of the tribe, all right? He had to be in Sunday school. No, we're talking about them Jewish fables. He said, uh, yeah, you need Jesus, but you've got to keep Moses' dietary law. Because these things are impure. You can't eat that. And you can't eat. Let's thank God for 30 seconds that we can eat pork. Hallelujah. What would North Carolina be without barbecue? Illinois. Okay. Uh, but anyway, I'm sorry. I'm sorry there, Eric. I'm sorry. I, I could have said New York. I'm sorry. But what I'm saying this morning is, is they were saying, yeah, you need Jesus, but you've got to keep these dietary laws. Paul, so I'm going to tell you right now, if you save, <laughs> eat what you want to. <laughs> Rise, kill, and eat. Here is the principle. What does dietary laws got to do with this? They were adding works to grace. They were saying that you've got to add. Now, let me say this this morning. You know me, and, we're, and we preached on it last Sunday night, and we're going to preach on it more as we go through this book. But sound doctrine, doctrine is what we believe, and sound doctrine is what? How we behave. So we got to behave right. People will take this and, and these new churches and these preachers have gone away from truth. They'll say, see, God don't care how you live. That is not what this verse is saying. Contextual preaching would reveal that these people are adding works to grace. I do not work to be saved, Brother David. But since I'm saved, I ought to have some good works. Amen. I ought to produce good fruit for my Master. And so, there is a word about the pure. Number two, there is a warning about the professors. Now look at verse 15 again, please. Don't you just love using our Bibles, amen? I know I do. Under the pure, all things are pure. But under them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. Even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him. 
being abominable and disobedient, and to every good work, reprobate. Notice, notice in these, these verses, there is the profession they proclaim. They profess they know God. And the context of this, these verses, these Jewish leaders were teaching things contrary to God's Word. They were religious, but lost. In verse 15, Paul uses two interesting words, defiled and unbelieving. The word defiled means to die, D-Y-E, to die with another color. To be stained or polluted. Unbelieving simply means without faith. These people are lost. They've not been washed and they have no faith. That is a lost person. Will we agree with that this morning? The word profess here is, is interesting. The word profess, it means to make an open declaration of, to avow or acknowledge. This is outward. This is an outward declaration but there was no inward difference. I wrote this down. This crowd had a profession without confession. Con- profession without confession. The Bible talks about in the book of Romans, that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The word confession means to admit or to declare oneself guilty. You know why these people are not saved in verse 16? They don't think they're guilty. You know why people don't get saved today? They don't think they're guilty. I'm okay. I mean, I, I, but Danny, I mean I'm not perfect, but I ain't as bad as that guy. Well, I, I, sorry, Charles, you just happened to be that guy this morning. All right, I, I, I know, I, you know, nobody's good, but I'm not as bad as I'm not as bad as them Hamas people. I'm not as bad as them. You're guilty. Everybody's guilty. You are born guilty this morning. And there's a lot of people they want to profess they have the outside, but they won't admit they are guilty. That's what conviction is. You realize that you are under the judgment of God. I love studying this word. The first time the word confess is used in the Bible is in Leviticus 5.5. And it shall be done when he shall be guilty in one of these things, that he shall confess that he has sinned. The first time the word confess is used in the Bible, Brother William, it's in direct connotation to sin, confessing that they did wrong. Are you a sinner this morning? Well, I've always been saved. No, you haven't. Well, I've always loved Jesus. I understand what people mean by that, but loving Jesus is not salvation. Can I be frank? There are Catholic people that love Jesus. That you, they do. There are people. There are all everybody who doesn't love Jesus except some Satanist or Muslim. Uh, who who doesn't? So loving Jesus not save anybody. It, it, there has to be a confession. The the first mention of the word confession is when Joshua looked at Achan and said, My son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord, God of Israel, and make a confession unto him. He was admitting his guilt. The reason some people are not saved this morning, they have their talk don't match their walk, is because they've never admitted they're guilty. They've never saw themselves as a sinner. In order to be saved, you've got to admit that you're guilty before God. To be saved, one must deal with the fact that he is a sinner. 
They profess, I know God. I know Mike Pence. I'm the only one in here. I've shook his hand. I shook his hand. Spoke with him. He don't know my name. He don't know my kids' names. He don't know where I pastor. By the way, I don't know what his favorite color is. <laughs> Some people would say yellow, but I'll move on. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, that was low. Wasn't it? That was low. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> William's the only one that got that one. I don't know what his favorite color is. I don't know what his favorite meal is. I don't know what his. I don't, I, I don't know. That I just. I can say I know him. I've seen him. Now a lot of people have that relationship with God. Yeah, I know God. Well, do you know what he likes? Do you know what he don't like? Do you have a relationship? You know, you could you can know somebody and not have a relationship with them. Amen. More spiritual one. I've met Kirby Smart. I know what his favorite colors are. Red and black. Somebody help me. All right. But I still don't know him. There's a lot of people. Yeah, I know God. You saved? Oh, yeah, I'm saved. Well, how do you know? I love Jesus. Well, loving Jesus don't save you. The profession they proclaim. Number two, the practice they portray. They profess they know God, but in works, deny Him. Y'all still with me? That talk ain't matching that walk. Now, we're not saved by works and we're not lost by works. Can I get an amen out of that? All right. I understand there are saved people that can commit any sin known to man. But I'm going to tell you, if a saved person does that long enough, God's going to take them to the woodshed or God's going to take them out. Hebrews 12 teaches that. So I said, where does not seeing God chasing as many people anymore? I'll tell you why. As many people ain't saved. Uh, somebody sent me a clip yesterday. I had been featured on Bad Preacher's Clips again. Yeah. After three years, I finally preached something I didn't like. And it's always at Chris Simpson's church where they get me. They never get me here. So apparently I'm meaner at Chris's. I don't know. But and, so, and somebody sent me that and they were laughing. I said, well, I'm glad. I was getting a little worried. I thought I was getting soft in my old age and hadn't preached on nothing hard. All right. But they, they're what, if you don't know what that is, they're mocking, they're mocking preachers and making fun of preachers, which is fine. I do that too. Uh, but I am one, okay? I only do the ones that need it, okay? The ones that preach bad doctrine and can't sing, okay? Um, and then they get on Facebook Live and try to do it. That's free entertainment, okay? The Facebook Live, it's free. Hammer time, that's right. I missed him. He's not been on lately. But anyway, somebody said, boy, I'd be afraid that God would kill me if I'd done that. They told me that. I said, God ain't going to mess with them. They ain't saved. He, you know, my daddy never whooped any of my, my friends growing up. But if we was, at, if we was ever wrestling or had, a, had an issue, he could always find the Montgomery. He didn't, he didn't get any other. He only took care of his. God only whoops his children. Somebody help me. You profess you know God. But your works are denying that you know Him. You're saying this, but your life is this. You know, there's a, a word we like to use, hypocrite. You know, you know the word hypocrite? If you look up the word hypocrite, it means a stage actor, one that would wear a mask and would act on a stage. That was a common thing uh, in, um, in, in that Jewish, well, not just in the Jewish, but in, that, in Christ's day, they'd have those actors. They would act like they were something that they were not. We still have them today. They're called politicians, okay? Uh, but, and... Uh, they, they, would, they would portray they were one thing, but they wasn't. I've got a lot of verse here I won't read for a second time. Matthew 6, let me just read them to you. I've got to give you this principle. Y'all all right? Matthew, I've been up since I got up. Uh, Matthew 6, verse 2. 
Therefore, when thou doest alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue. Matthew 6, 5. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corner of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Matthew 6, 16. Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Matthew 23, 25. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, for you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Matthew 23, 27. Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but within are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Did you know the pattern in those things? The Pharisees were always putting out on the outside so the others would see. But the Lord said when you got on the inside, you had a pretty white sepulcher, a pretty tomb, and on the inside it's full of dead men's bones. You had the outside of that cup clean, but on the inside it was full of filth. Now, our liberal friends... I don't have any liberal friends. Our liberal acquaintances, put it like that. <laughs> Most of the time the liberal friends unfriend me. Ain't that funny how that works? They would say, see, God, man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. Well, that's exactly right. I'm glad they can read. First Samuel 16, 7. That's what it says. But they forget that man does look on the outward. <laughs> Amen. God is not saying that he don't want the outward to be right. He just don't want you to try to do it from the outside in. God works from the inside out. He does that in salvation. He does that in sanctification. He works. If your heart, hey, you can have everything right on the outside, but if your heart's not right, you're just as bad. Judas Iscariot had the outside right. In fact, that night when Jesus said, one of you shall betray me, none of them looked at Judas and said, yep, that's the guy. You know how convinced they were about Judas? They said, Lord, is it I? The only one that didn't ask that was John. He's the only one. So you can have the outside right and the inside be wrong. These are people that conform, but are never transformed. They have a form of godliness. Remember we read that verse in our introduction? Have a form of godliness, but they're not the power thereof. These are people that go through the motions. Now listen to me this morning. I preach on assurance, salvation, people doubting all the time. The ones who are always worried, and, and you'll, you'll run into this in ministry, Brother Richie, the ones who are always worried about their salvation, they're all right. Because a lost man ain't worried about it. Pause for effect. Preacher, I don't want to go to hell. Okay, good. You're probably not. Because a lost man don't care about that. He wants to be saved. He wants God. And Jesus said, Him that cometh to me, I want to ask cast out. If you come to Christ and Jesus, I don't want to go to hell, I want to be saved, I want to be free, He'll take you. But if you think that you can work and earn and do outside things, that's not salvation. I like Brother Dean says, everybody in our, he said, everybody in the church I pastored, they were doubting their salvation, I was pretty sure they were saved. And everybody that wasn't doubting their salvation, I was pretty sure they wasn't. <laughs> he said, I'm doubting your salvation for you, okay? Uh, ain't that amazing, though? I, I find people that struggle with their salvation won't know if they're saved or not yeah. are some of the most sincere, good, godly people that the enemies use that to try to attack their minds and hinder them from going forward for God. But then you've got people that are holding on to a profession because they've said the prayer. I, I'm not against somebody praying to get saved. I prayed when I got saved. But I didn't trust in my prayer. 
I didn't trust Him. Well, I don't remember what I said. It didn't say to remember what you said. That's not incantation. We believe in regeneration. We don't believe in repeating a prayer. We believe in receiving a promise. Receiving a person. I'm not against helping somebody pray. Don't misunderstand me. We didn't get that. But salvation is, if you believe in your heart that God of raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For the heart, man, believes on the righteous, and with the mouth confession is made. Oh, here, somebody said, Preacher, how do I know if I'm saved or not? Here's what Paul said. For I know not what, not where, not when. I know whom I have believed. My salvation is not based on, I got saved right there. My salvation is not based on, well, I got saved right there. My salvation is not based on, well, what the preacher said or who is preaching. My salvation is based upon nothing in my hands I bring. Simply the cross I claim. I believe that Jesus died and He was buried and He rose again. And my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and His right. I have nothing to offer God. I have no good works. Nothing to claim. But I'm trusting Jesus. And I'm trusting Calvary. And I'm trusting the Gospel. But people, Matthew, and I've done preach my third point, so it was real pretty, but it's not pretty anymore. Matthew 7. Not everyone says to me, Lord, Lord, share in the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. What is the will of God? Believing on the Son. For many shall say in that day, Lord, have we not, have we not uh, prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? Works! Didn't know if you saw that word or not. I wanted to say it loud. Works! Then while I profess unto them, God's going to make a profession. I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. There's a profession they, pro- they proclaim, and there is the, there is the, practice they portray, but then there is the product they produce. They're abominable, disobedient, and every good work reprobate. Abominable means detestable. Disobedient. Reprobating their testimony means not enduring. Somebody said, Preacher, how do I know if somebody's a reprobate? They won't want to be saved. A repro- somebody, somebody that's in the altar wanting God to save them, they can be saved. They're not a reprobate. A reprobate, you read Romans 1, I ain't going to take the time, you read Romans 1, that crowd don't want God. They no longer want to retain God in their knowledge. So when they said no to God, God said no to them. That's what Romans 1 is. Being amazing. And, and I'm going to hush right here. The third point was the witness of our persuasion. How do we know we're saved? And that's where our First Timothy 1, but I've already preached that. So over in Matthew 7, I'm done. That crowd, Lord, have we not done cast out devils? Just turn over Matthew 7. Let's just look at it. I'm at 30 minutes. And I'm done right here, okay? I love to hear pages turning in the Bible. Say, man, ain't that a good sound? It beats in scrolling. <laughs> you know what the age of this song, you know what the age of this, the song of this generation is? I want to scroll all over heaven with you, okay? All right. Matthew 7. Get you a pen. And I want you to write. I want you to write in your Bible or write on a piece of paper. So, verse twenty-one. Not everyone, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, turn into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth will, will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Yeah. Write down work. And in thy name cast out devils. That's a work. And in thy name done many wonderful works. There's another work. Can somebody help me? Is salvation by works? 
Paul said in Ephesians 2, For by grace he saved through faith, not of yourselves, but the gift of God, not of works! Let's see a man should boast. If it was works, we'd be walking around heaven sticking our chest out and saying, Boy, you should have seen what I had to do to get up here. It ain't about works, it's by grace. Watch, watch, watch this. I heard Brother B.P. Bull, he's with the Lord now, old-fashioned preacher from Mountains of Asheville, North Carolina. Brother David Shelton's pastor is who it was. He made this statement. What those guys are claiming at the great white throne judgment, which is the scene here in our text, what they were claiming up there was what they were trusting down down here. I prophesied. I've cast out devils. I've done many wonderful works. I'm trusting in what I did. Ooh, ooh, ooh. You don't trust in what you did for salvation. You trust in what Jesus has done. Saddest words of the Bible. Then while professing to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Revelation 20:15. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast to the lake of fire. This is the second death. Does your walk match your talk? Does your talk match your walk? Some of you, I've, you've come to this church for years. And, I, and, and you can take this how you will. Some of you have been burdened for this week about this sermon. You profess you know God, but the works I've seen, deny Him. You know me, I don't make statements like that much. But I've had, I've had two or three people specifically on my heart this week about this. And some of you are here today. Well, I better get saved because the preacher thinks I'm lost. Oh, 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 no, no, no. It ain't about the preacher thinks. Because I've missed it before. I'm telling you, you better know you're saved. Examine yourselves. How do I examine myself? You line up your salvation with this book right here. You line it up with the book. What does the book say? What does the book say? You profess, but you've never confessed. Everybody around, th- y'all know me, I don't preach like this much because there's so much foolishness that goes on. But it is in our Bible. It is in my text. There are people who have never been saved that are in church. It's, it, it, it's the truth. Jesus had 12 and one of them was lost. Now, I don't work on the stats where I think 85% of the church is lost. Some men do. That's fine. I'm not being critical, okay? I'm just saying, you better make sure you're saved. Do you know you're saved? The Bible said in 1 John, come on, Miss Linda. She's going to come to the piano. I almost called your brother Matthew. <laughs> Amen. The Bible said in 1 John chapter 5, verse number, verse number 10, He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. You know, the devil will never tell you you're lost. And he'll never tell you you're saved. He'll just say, not today. Tonight. We have visitors here today. You're a member of this church. What will people think? What will people say? I'll tell you this morning, I, I want to make sure my talk matches my walk. There's a lot of applications we can preach that, but the context of this scripture is lost people. Examine yourselves. Are you saved this morning? Are you a hundred percent sure? As we stand, are you a hundred percent sure? Let's stand, please. Are you a hundred percent sure this morning that if you died or Jesus was to come, that you'd go to heaven? Miss Lynn is going to be in the play. Heads bowed, her eyes closed. These altars are open. 
if you need somebody to pray with you, if you're not sure about your salvation, if you'll get my attention, we'll have somebody come and pray with you, talk with you. Are you sure you're saved? Young people, moms, dads, are you sure you're saved?